Welcome back to another episode of the Underrepresented Perspective podcast. This is Any, and again, I'm here with Jason, the TikTok Doc Campbell. What it do, baby boy? Sorry, that was like crazy. Hey guys, Jason, TikTok Doc, I'm here. And Coin Six Sports Analyst, the Marcus Graves. Jason, man, you got to calm down on that. You got you you have to calm down. You were a little too much. You're gonna stress people out before they even listen to the episode. I understand. I can understand that. What's up, y'all? I'm excited for this episode. If it were possible, if it were possible, I would. If it were possible, I would. I would if it were possible. Okay. I'm good. How you, me too. How are you, man? Man, I'm good. I can't complain. Sun's shining today. That's right. It's October. It's my favorite month. It's one of my favorite months. Um, so like I just uh, tweeted, I know you're, you're big on Twitter. I just said that October, it's not the excitement. It's not the enthusiasm of the summer. Nor is it the rigidity, the rigidity, excuse me, of the winter. So it's not the enthusiasm of the summer. It's not that rigid, cold winter time. And 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 don't get me wrong. Like there are a lot of great things that happen in in winter time, but it's this time of calmness, time of reflection, of introspection, and it's a reminder that no matter how bad things are. October's always come. And I'll tell you, as I get older, I would trade a lot of summer days for that. And, and don't get me wrong, I, mean, I, I love my birthday. Everybody who knows me knows that. So, I mean, I'm a winter guy. Christmas, birthday in January, Valentine's Day in February. Valentine's Day isn't even a holiday. Depends on what your situation is. <laughs> but, like I said, I love winter. And uh, I have an article coming out talking about winter and being one with your family. And I think during COVID times, um, you know, I miss my family. They're all in Washington, D.C. or the the greater Washington, D.C. area. So I probably will go about 14 months without seeing them. And I think I've unfortunately gotten used to it a little bit. Um, But I definitely, you know, for those that are out there that miss their family, you're not alone. Um, You know, it's tough times, but we'll get through it. Absolutely. What do we got today, Annie? First and foremost, since the election is approaching, just wanted to make everyone aware that Oregon's voter registration deadline is October 13th. So I know there are a lot of campaigns about voting. Um, let's not forget that in order to vote, you have to register to vote. So don't forget that very important step. Um, please get your voice heard and get yourself registered. And I think, Jason, um, you had a colleague who had a few words about voting. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. So like Annie said, we got 10 days till the registration deadline in October. The election's in 30 days, but voting's already started. And most importantly, um, Dr. Mark Shapiro from Explore the Space podcast, another wonderful podcast, if you haven't checked it out, has a few words that he wanted to share about the vote, about the vote from the standpoint of a physician. And here are a few words from him. Hello, underrepresented perspective podcast fans. This is Mark Shapiro here. I'm a hospitalist and the host of Explore the Space podcast. I am grateful to Eni, Jason, and Marcus for sharing their microphone with me for a moment to talk about the Morning Report initiative with Vote Health 2020. Through my years in medical school, residency, and as an attending, I could count the number of conversations I've had about voting with my fellow medical students, residents, and physician colleagues on one hand. Somehow it's become normal for us to not help mobilize and energize one another around voting, and this has cost us dearly. Physicians vote at a rate that is 9% less than the general public and 22% less than attorneys. This November 3rd, there is a presidential election, but remember your ballot will be filled with so much more. 
state elections, local elections, bond measures. You may be electing your local sheriff or deciding on a measure around carbon offsets in your county. The issues and initiatives that impact our communities and the lives of those we care for are not hearing our voice and feeling our impact. It's time we change that. The process is simple. Check your eligibility to register and get registered to vote. Then decide if you'd like to vote absentee or mail-in. They mean the same thing. And check the deadlines for your state. If you're planning to vote in person, make a voting plan. This is critical for those of us in medicine. Check your schedule, talk to your teammates, discuss how you'll cover one another to ensure everyone can get to the polling place on election day. Then cast your ballot. I've chosen to vote absentee this year because I'm working on election day. Take a look at the slide in the show notes for this episode of the Underrepresented Perspective podcast. It's got everything you need to move through these steps in one place and it takes just a few minutes. We want to bring this message far and wide. The Morning Report Initiative is here to help do that. If you'd like to have me or another physician on our Vote Health 2020 team join any meeting you've got, we'll be there. Morning Report, Grand Rounds, Team Huddles, you're having a coffee with some pals, anything. Just email info at VoteHealth2020.com to schedule. We'll set up a free, less than five-minute presentation that is nonpartisan and has everything your audience needs to get activated. You can also check out www.VoteHealth2020.com. No excuses this election and going forward, my friends. Thank you so much for all that you do. Now back to any Jason, and Marcus, and the fantastic Underrepresented Perspective podcast. Dr. Shapiro, thank you so much for those words. Uh, you know, it's been a pleasure getting to know you through Twitter and uh, in person. I can't wait till we're together again. I am actually going to turn the floor over to Marcus. I'm going to let him speak a little bit about some news in the sports world that happened. Yeah, so NFL, they uh, they had their first COVID outbreak, I would say, where multiple guys on a team, on a staff, or in basically just a program, they got exposed to COVID-19. So... This is interesting to me because we were kind of talking about it a little bit before we started recording is that kind of how does that happen when you look in regards to and like the NBA, right? So you look at the NBA, they're in the bubble, right? Obviously, there's a lot less guys on an NBA roster than there are on the NFL roster. So, right. Yeah. And so putting them in a bubble is not realistic. And obviously, you got to travel all around and things like that, that you can't bring everyone to one location and throw them in one football stadium. That would just be too much. It would be too complicated. My problem is is that it seemed like the NBA got it down, right, with their bubble. They figured out how they were going to do it. My problem with the NFL is it seems like they still have not taken it as serious as they should. And there's been multiple times where the coaches have been fined already now for not wearing their face masks and things like that. And uh, my biggest concern is – like where, when does the NFL take that, that next step and really tackle things outside of sports? Because we understand that sports are very important in regards to racial injustice. Obviously, they're giving the players now more room to speak and express themselves and how they want to, which is I obviously am all for that. But in something like COVID, like where when is Roger Goodell and the owners and everyone else going to take it more serious? And it seems it's a little frustrating to me because it still seems like they haven't taken it serious. Because the steps that you should be taking to be safe as a player, as a coach, they really need to hammer that down and reiterate that. Because at the end of the day, obviously, we all love football. We always want to watch football. We want to watch sports or cross country. Uh, but Cross country. <laughs> absolutely not. You're missing out. How do, you even, how do you even televise that? 
oh man, some of the greatest races ever tele- televised with um, golf carts. Send them to me. I'll watch. I'm going to. But now extrapolate. Take this into society, right? So when I hear you, Marcus, say, explain everything about the NFL and what's happening, I think profits over people. And then people come back to me and say, well, sports has been one way I've gotten through this time. And I say, okay, that's, that's a decent and that's a good argument. Uh, and I do, I love watching football and I love what sports brings to the individuals, to society. And I'm talking about high school sports. I'm talking about uh, college sports. I'm talking about Division Three, where we just did it because we loved to do it. We did it because we loved teamwork. We loved the camaraderie. We loved having a coach, again, challenge us to be the best version of ourselves. Shout out to Emory University, the Emory University Eagles, uh, my alma mater. But it's one of those things where right now we're in a place where it does beg the question, should we just hold off? Do we need to stop? Do we need to rewind and refocus on getting our country under control before we can truly and safely have professional athletics? And I talked about this a couple times on our sports show, Game On, uh, at Coin, where I said, out of all people, trust me, I'm one who I literally do nothing else throughout my day other than talk about sports or look at sports. Everything on my social media is sports. I'm always looking on ESPN, Bleacher Report, everything. But what I've said numerous times is that as much as I love sports, I don't love sports more than I love people's lives, right? And and affecting people in in obviously certain ways. So like when it came to college football, the Pac-12 just announced that, you know, they're going to return to play. Schedule is released, seven-game slate, everything like that. But I was not for college football coming back, and I know a lot of people are going to argue with that. I wasn't for it coming back until they figured out a way to obviously keep the kids safe be able to test them right and frequently, and then just in general come up with a plan overall that will keep everybody in the program safe. Not just you know, not just the coaches who make the money, not just the training staff, but the players who are obviously the ones that are probably going to be at higher risk than anybody else. So that was what I was trying to say is that, listen, I love sports more than anybody. I will probably, <laughs> I will probably say that, and I can say that very confidently, that I probably love sports more than most people. But I'm not for sports if – it's not safe. I'm not for them coming back and obviously money talks and things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, you're so absolutely right. Like sports does not exist in a vacuum and where we can say like, don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. Like put your head down and, and run the ball, whatever. And I agree with Jason as well, that there is a certain like escapism to watching sports where people just tune out a certain part of their day. Like I know my dad is very much one of those people. He find he finds his escape in sports and like as both of you know because this is something we've discussed i was very against college football you know in the pac-12 returning and in other conferences continuing um because i was like what is you know what is the risk benefit of analysis of bringing these students these athletes to campus and having them you know exposed to each other and i don't remember which one of you it was but one of you made a really great point about they might (laughs) about um the conditions that they might be living in at home actually being more exposure than the conditions that they would have that they would have at school. But more importantly, if the student athletes can stay safe, that's kind of the most important thing for me. That's all I want. I want everyone to be safe. I don't want them to jump the gun and obviously it be profit over people, which it seems like it has always been in a way of no matter what the issue is in the world, as long as the sports world can go on and people can make the money and people can kind of take away um, you know, whatever stress they have in life and, and just sit down to watch a football game. Every, that's, that's the thing that everyone wants to do. Me, I used to be one of those people. But now 
there's real problems in the world, and I feel like you cannot run from them. And the NFL cannot continue to run from them. Sports in general cannot continue to run from them. They have to tackle them head on. And I know a lot of people say, well, you know, keep politics or real life or whatever it is out of sports, but you can't do that because these are still people. These are actual people who deal with the same problems that everyone else does. The only difference is, is, is that their profession is to play sports. Right, but and then and then to that effect, it's also the idea of like, well, like what are the students doing, and then are we giving more special treatment to the athletes? Which some would argue is the way that we need to move forward with not necessarily special treatment, but some kind of um, financial plan uh, to support these athletes and their families. And I look at it like that. I don't just say supporting the athletes; I say supporting the athletes and their families and their sacrifices. And then let me, you know, for those that are listening right now, maybe football is not your thing, but then I ask you to. Uh, remove football extract football and put in place of that puzzle piece whatever it is that you do love and to think of it like this you know when I went to Georgetown Day School K-12 no football team I then went to Emory University no football team so I mean I was making a smart choice right now and then I ended up at the Ohio State University with one of the football teams, if you will, uh, one of the historic collegiate uh, programs and football personalities, if you will, in America. So what I saw my, at my first football game, my first Buckeye game, I saw the entire town. And Columbus is a, is a city, but I call it a big town. I saw everyone walking all down High Street and all down uh, all the different avenues that lead actually past the medical center to this beautiful stadium. And I I just saw the energy, the OHIOs being screamed and um, all walks of life, different colors and um, ethnicities. And I just thought to myself, like, this is one really prideful moment and, and thing that um, became a part of who I was for my four years in the 614 in Columbus, Ohio. And so if you've never experienced that, it truly is spectacular and amazing and I just didn't know that. So when you talk about college football being back, there is, like Marcus said, there is these 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 crisp, sunny fall days are intertwined with that, that feeling of nostalgia, that feeling of um, enthusiasm, of the yells, the screams, the celebrations, and sometimes the sadness that comes uh, if you're probably a Michigan or Michigan State fan. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's one of those things where take out football, and insert whatever your most fond memories are of the fall. And I'm, and if you're missing that right now, hold on to those memories and know that they're going to come back. Maybe that's knitting with your grandmother, sitting outside on the deck reading your favorite book. Maybe that's writing poetry for your next poetry contest. Maybe that's just having a nice, nice glass of wine at, in the evening time because you've had a very long day and it's just the way that you reset yourself. Whatever it is, do it if you can, and if you can't, know that it's going to come back one day, and hopefully sooner than later. But we got to wear our mask. We got to physically distant, but socially stay involved so we can help each other through this. The one thing about fall that I love is that fall means applications. Fall means essays, maybe examinations, which ugh, that's not a word that we love. And fall means personal statements. And I saw someone on Twitter say that they don't, they think the personal statement is a waste of time. And I said, no. I didn't even give him an explanation. I just said, I don't agree with that statement. Why? Because a personal statement, even if no one else reads it, it allows you to construct and to formulate your own opinions and reflections about who you are and to tell people any right, who do you want to be? 
and how are you going to get there? So it's a time for you to you take your dreams, you put them on paper, and then you can look back at your dreams in five or ten years and see what came to fruition, what didn't, or maybe what actually happened that was even more wild than the dream that you had originally believed, more big, larger than the dream that you had originally believed. So anyway, when you think about that, your personal statement for medical school, your personal statement maybe for undergrad, what, who are you right now and who do you want to be? Oh, man, great question. Um, the personal statement helps. It's like where you answer that question. Like this is where the most aspirational you will probably ever be in your career is before you start it. And you dream about all the what ifs and all the can be's and all the things that you could attain. And I wrote, I probably wrote between both application cycles. I probably wrote like 40 different versions of my personal statement. And the, my, the final one that I submitted, my second application cycle was like chef's kiss, like the most well-articulated piece of literature that explains not only to me, but the people reading it, who I am as a person and who I want to be as a physician and what's enough for me career-wise and where do I want to shoot higher in terms of medicine. And I think, you know, kind of as we, as we spoke about even last week, I think when you reach those portions in your training or your career where you're a little tried and you're a little tired and you're like, hang on, like I'm eyeing the burnout coming around the corner, read your personal statement and remind yourself, like, who was I when I started this? Am I still this person? And I think for a lot of people who are just applying, actually, it's a really great check of, is medicine for me? And am I doing this for the right reasons? Any with a word. Any with a word. Actually, let's come uh, mute Marcus's mic, and he just down his shoulder. Brother Marcus, what are your thoughts? I want to I wanna put it in perspective, any when you talk about writing or going back and looking at what you wrote down when you started, when you're starting to feel burnt out, that's, there's so much power to doing that because obviously it brings you back to not just, not just where you started, but brings you back to your mindset you had before who you were before. And you kind of see over time how much you've changed. And so I'm a very motivational guy. Like, you know, I like watching motivational videos in the morning when I get up before, you know, I go work out or go to work and things like that. Obviously, obviously before I send out my tweet another day, another opportunity, but something that I watched in the video uh, a couple of years ago, and it's always stuck with me to this day is that imagine, and obviously being a football guy, I'm, I'm going to bring a little football aspect into this is that say when you're a high school athlete, you're a high school, you know, college football player, what's the one thing you want to do? You obviously want to make it to that next level. Everyone wants to say, man, I want to go D1. Man, I want to go D1. Man, I want to go D1. You hear that? I couldn't not tell you how many times I've heard that and how many times I've said that. And I said that when I was a high schooler. So finally you get to D1, right? You do all the hard work. You do the, you know, the 5 a.m. to 4 a.m. That's what I was doing constantly day in and day out. You know, I was like, I'm going to get up earlier than everybody else that, you know, wants to go D1 to prove that I want to be the one that makes it. Obviously the statistics to get to D1 as a high school player are very slim. I think it was, I think it was five or 4%. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at it as, okay, well, I'm going to make sure that there's not going to be, you know, even 4% people who want to make it better or more than I do. So long story short, you work so hard to get to college football, you get to college football year one, same thing. You're a freshman on campus. You say, man, it's time to grind it out. Like I want to, I want to find a starting spot. You get to the starting spot. You know, that's what I got to do. Eventually when I got to the starting spot as um, a sophomore, I was, you know, obviously I was ecstatic, right? I was hyped. Then I got injured 
first ACL gone, just like that. Okay, well, now I got to work my way back in. So I always was chasing that one thing of, okay, well, now I, I need to be a starter. I need to, you know, now I need to get back to the field. Um, then I get to that point, and I won't lie to you guys, I hit a point in my career where I was, I, I kind of sat back and I was like, man, I love football to death, but I'm kind of losing that that spark that I had, you know, instead of waking up every single day going to practice saying, all right, man, like, I'm trying to get that starting running back spot or, all right, man, I'm going to be, you know, an all-conference guy. It started now be like, man, you know, it goes from I'm excited to wake up, like, let's go get it to, all right, man, let's go to, okay, I guess we can do it. Let's do it. Then it goes, it keeps, slowly it's now, man, I got to go to practice today. Then it's, it's, it's just, it starts hitting that. But to get to the point where I was getting to was that a quote that Eric Thomas, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of Eric Thomas. He's a motiva- uh, motivational speaker. He says, everybody wants to be a beast until it's time to do what beasts do. And so out of that, what I got from it was, listen, man, you're in the, you're in the spot where you want to be that guy. You want to be the beast of a football player, a beast of a doctor, nurse, uh, news anchor, sports reporter, whatever it is. You want to be the best and be a beast at what you do. Until you finally realize how much work it is and how much consistency you have to bring to it each and every day, then that's when everyone was like, oh, man, well, maybe I don't want to be a beast today. But you can't you can't pick and choose. Either you are or you're not. That's why everyone talks about the mama mentality with Kobe Bryant so much is that it's not something you can turn on and turn off like a lot of people do. You either are a dog and a, and a straight killer on the court or you're not. And that's kind of how I look at it as, all right, man. Once you hit a point of you're starting to feel some fatigue, you're starting to feel some, uh, you know, you're starting to get tired, you, you, you're not as motivated, you don't want to push yourself as much. Any, that's why I was bringing it up. You have to go look at that because if you look at how much heart and passion you put into it at the beginning, you're going to be not, this is what I did. I did the exact same thing that you just said, Any. I went back and, and looked at not just the tweets, but looked at a lot of things that I used to say to myself, a lot of the videos I used to watch, the things I used to write down. I was kind of sick to my stomach because I was like, man, you used to want it so much more than everybody else, and then you got comfortable, and now you're, now you're here. Like you're an opportunity that you can go take that, that everything that you ever wanted, but you got comfortable. You don't want to be a beast twenty four hours a day. Now you just want to do it maybe three hours a day. Become unsettled with complacency. What I love about what Marcus just said is I love that this is this is the underrepresented perspective podcast we talk about athletes being more than athletes sports we talk about medicine we talk about women in medicine we talk about our journey we talk about where we have come from and we we want you to tell us and to hear our struggles and our overcoming and so the key with that is that i want you to realize and to recognize that if you extrapolate what mark has just said into the real world leave sports out of this for one moment i want you to realize that uh the best way i can give you this the best example i can show you is that the former president of my medical school student body before i was so luckily put in that position is now at harvard university in a dermatology residency almost a a staff dermatologist, which is Harvard, obviously we know, is uh, creme de la creme, hard to get into. Dermatology is an incredibly hard field to get into. Every Saturday and Sunday, him and his colleagues and his friends in medical school would always go to, uh, it wasn't the library, it was like an adjacent building to our medical school called Graves Hall. They would always go to this Graves Hall study space. They had their exact same spots, uh, 8 a.m. Saturdays until... 5 p.m. maybe every Saturday or Sunday if there was a game day occasionally they would go to the game like they were you know relatively normal guys 
enjoyed, you know, Ohio State undergrad, so they enjoyed Big Ten football and enjoying that. But especially as exams got near every weekend, same study space, 7.30, 8 a.m. till evening, would bring their snacks with them, would bring their lunch with them. This is the level of dedication, consistency, commitment to excellence that we talk about. And so if you have a younger son or daughter that's dreaming of being a physician one day, I'm not saying that you have to have this level to get there. I'm saying that with this level, their dreams, their desires can go so far. So impart on them. Don't make them. You know, my mom never made me focus on medicine, never made me study. My mom and dad just asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Okay, you like science? Cool, you like to dance? You want to be the TikTok doc one day? No, but jokes aside, just believe in your kids, believe in yourself, and remember, this is the Underrepresented Perspective Podcast, JC, Marcus Greaves, Ininako. We appreciate you guys coming to check us out every week, and we hope that, uh, that you enjoy what we're doing here. Well, Jason kind of took my job from me, but I'll give it a, (laughs) I'll just hit you with a repeat. Thank you guys for joining us this week, and we will see you next week.